Our second 10-minute speaker is Brian M. Hi, uh, my name is Brian, and I am an alcoholic. I am uh, really honored and humbled to be here in front of my home group tonight. Thank you all. Um, my sobriety date is January 17th, 2023. Uh, by the grace of God, the program, and you all. Um, I, like I said, I'm in, this is my home group. I have service commitments here. I show up to meetings here. I do step work here. I have a sponsor here. His name is Chris, and just as important, Chris knows my name. Um, what it was like, the year I just had of sobriety is the longest I've had since my first time I got drunk. Uh, that was when I was 12. I remember my friend Mark Sparmitzva. Uh It was a Hawaiian affair in his backyard, and there were tables laid out with pina coladas and virgin pina coladas. And, uh, of course, I enjoyed the pina coladas. Um, thankfully for Mark's parents, everything was outside. Uh, so I could use the bushes, and I could use the trees when I got sick. Um, but like so many of us, I woke up that next morning feeling bad, feeling hungover, but also feeling like I'd found something the night before um, that I'd never felt before. And that feeling continued all through high school where I continued to drink and weekend warrior stuff, beers uh, on Fridays after the game, on Saturdays at a friend's empty house, um, even something like Mothers Against Drunk Driving was great for me because that told me, don't drink and drive, so leave your car keys on the side and get absolutely hammered. That's the message I took from MAD. And that's, the, and that's really what it comes down to a lot for me in my story, in my drinking, is how do I use, how did I use the support systems around me against themselves and to my, my disease's advantage. Um, fast forward a few years and call it to college, um, somewhere around sophomore year, the university and I agreed to part ways, um, and which should have been a giant red light to me was nothing but a green light. Um, it was a green light. I now had a job. I now had an apartment, and I now lived 100% by my rules. There was no one telling me what to do because I could afford to drink as much as I want. I could afford my rent. So after that, you can just leave me alone. And I drank, and I drank. Um, around the age of 25, I checked into, I checked myself into rehab. Um, no, this is not the first time I decided to try and get sober. This was again using a system because if I checked myself into rehab, it was that much harder for my employer to fire me. Um, took advantage of that, maybe put together a month or two of sober time, but just long enough sober to find a new job and to leave that one behind and start the, the body count all over again. Um, this job now had me traveling around as a salesperson. So again, we're just going to take it up a level. Now I've got an expense account and we're going out tonight and I don't know who's having two glasses of red wine and who's having 14 bourbons, but that receipt's going to get submitted somewhere and someone else is going to pay for it. And if I don't go out with you, I'll use my per diem and go out alone or I'll go to the airport lounge and drink there. It didn't matter what it was. I just kept drinking and drinking my way through life. Um, had my first child when I was about 35, and I remember this vividly. Um, at the time, my wife and my then mother-in-law were at the hospital. I just had my, my, my daughter, not even a day old, hours old, 
And they said, why don't you go home and get some sleep? I left Mount Sinai at 110th Street, went right past my apartment on 60th Street, downtown to a basement bar in the village, NYU, a place called Down the Hatch. Some of you may have heard of it. Um, and at Down the Hatch, they, which was really weird that I was 35 years old and my local bar was a college bar, but that's the program, right? Um, and they gave me a onesie, and on that onesie had a, had, a, had a baby with a bottle, and that bottle was a Budweiser bottle. Um, this is a gag gift that they gave out for those who may have had a night of indiscretion or a questionable event, but not for me. I took that back to the hospital and gave it to my newborn child, the look on my mother-in-law's face. But I didn't care. That was my alcoholism. Um, Fast forward a few years, we're now getting divorced, and um, they had the audacity to say in court that I was an alcoholic. Um, who the hell are they to say this to me? Thank you. Um, I'm not an alcoholic. I have a resume. I have a job. I make, pay my bills. I do all the right things, and from the outside, I looked good. Um, the court disagreed and asked me to participate in uh, sober monitoring. So every day... This is the next time I put some time together. Every day at 8 p.m. and 8 p.m. I had to 8 a.m. I had to blow into a breathalyzer, and it let my lawyers and her lawyers and the court know and Child Protective Services know that I was sober or I was drunk. And this is to uh, do this for 12 weeks. This got long after week five and six. And then I said to myself, the alcoholic mind said to myself, actually, you just have to be sober by 8 a.m. So if I measure out 10 shots, I can start drinking at 8.01. And maybe I can push it to 11 shots, but here is the insanity of our disease that all I had to do was stay, stay sober for 12 hours at a time, and I couldn't even do that. I was willing to put my kids and my family at risk. Meanwhile, I'm in court saying how I'm not an alcoholic, <laughs> paying an attorney to say I'm not an alcoholic, but then trying to get one over on the system again. Um, but then it all kind of started crashing down a few years later, um, about two years before my sober date. All the rules that I set up for myself that I wouldn't break, all the rules that we set up, right? I, I wouldn't drink when I had my kids became, I wouldn't drink while they were awake. And that rule became, well, as they got older and bedtime got later, that rule became, well, I can have my first drink while they're brushing their teeth. And I can, maybe I can drink a clear liquid instead, like a vodka soda. They won't know that's going on there. Um, and then it became, well, there's another parent around who's sober, so I can be drunk. Uh, and and about, a, about, like I said, a year ago exactly, actually. Um, I went on a four-day bender, and I remember waking up Saturday night at midnight and starting to drink again. And it was that Tuesday, the following Tuesday about 5 p.m., I was on the phone with my therapist, and she said, maybe you should go to a meeting you live on the Upper East Side. There's a meeting somewhere nearby. And man, was she right. There was a meeting at this church on 60th and Park at 7 p.m. on Tuesday. Um, and I walked in here, and you all started to show me love. And that night, um, after going fellowship and trying to figure out how to stay sober, that night I went to sleep. I didn't pass out. And that was the first time in, in probably 18 months that that happened. And I started working the steps. Like I said, I was blessed with a sponsor. And he helped me, and he guided me through the steps. And I didn't know what I was doing. I'm still not sure what I'm doing, but it was working. And then I think I had my big God moment 
sometime in April, my 13-year-old daughter wanted to go to her first concert, Depeche Mode. And I am lucky, I am blessed. It wasn't Taylor Swift or K-pop. It was Depeche Mode at the Garden. We go to the concert, and she is in awe of 20,000 people there, and I am in awe of people at the concession stand who aren't ordering their two-drink maximum. Um, you know, I'm like saying to myself, if we went together, if there's three or four of us, we were getting eight drinks. I don't know how many you wanted, but I'll take the extras. Don't worry. And I'm saying to myself, who are these people? Um, they, were, they, they were normal people. I don't know who they were. Um, but that night, coming home, um, getting out of the cab on 3rd Avenue, I opened my door, and, and a city bike hit the door. The poor bicyclist fell down. It was like 1 a.m. It's me and my daughter, and he gets up, and he's yelling at me, who are you? What are you doing? Aren't you watching what you're doing? In that moment, I had a decision to make, and I chose to offer him help. I chose to see what I could do. I chose to be kind, and because of that, um, he directed his anger towards the cab. <laughs> but what really matters is, because of that moment, my daughter's memory of her first concert was of Depeche Mode, not her father being drunk and getting in a street fight on Third Avenue. And that's the power of this program. So thank you all, and if you're here for the first time, stick around, it works. Thank you.